I'm your host, Laura Lowen, former therapist, go-getter entrepreneur, future church planter, and throwback hip-hop lover. I want to help you implement practical steps on how to live out the abundant life. Listen in on stories of faith, hope, and inspiration as we pursue the abundant, fruitful life together. If you're ready to get cracking on personal and spiritual growth and have some fun while doing so, you're in the right place. Hey friends, I have a special guest for you guys today. One of my dearest friends, hashtag in real life friends, Wendy Ray. Wendy and I have been friends for a while, but she has one of the best hearts. We love to keep it straight with each other and just be totally real and vulnerable. And you guys are just going to totally see that. So I had Wendy on, I could have had her on for a lot of reasons, Uh, She's one of my favorite people, but chatting about foster care and adoption, it's an issue that is super close to my heart. You're going to hear more about that in the episode, but you guys are just going to love hearing from her. So whether you are considering foster care or adoption, or maybe this is something totally new to you and you just want to learn, this is going to be a great place to start. So take a listen. Wendy was like my ride or die girl um, when Jason and I lived up north, quote unquote, uh-huh. Michigan. Uh-huh. And Jason was a youth pastor in the Petoskey, Boyne City area. And Wendy and I went to church together, but we also lived in the same town and we had kids similar ages. And so it was just really fun. We would hang out all the time and like get our kids together. And yeah, so that was just that was just super fun. And Wendy, what I love about you is that you are just so real. And I feel like even when we first met, it was really nice. And I feel like it's really rare, at least for me, that I could just be 100% honest with you. And you weren't like offended at what I had to say, <laughs> which is which is shocking sometimes in new relationships for me with other women. Yeah. And I loved that we both had like really strong opinions on almost everything and we could just kind of get them out there and then listen to each other. And that was that. Yeah. Yeah. It was always pretty easy from the beginning. The The main reason I wanted to have Wendy on today was because Wendy started uh, doing foster care and then eventually ended up adopting some of her kids, but Wendy did not plan on having the life that she has now. So Wendy, can you just kind of like bring us back to, first of all, how long ago all that was and kind of how you even got started in the world of foster care? Totally. Yeah. I'm going to try and keep it short because this is my favorite story to tell. So Hmm. I'm a little long-winded with it, but Jordan and I always, uh, Jordan, my husband, we always wanted to um, adopt and we got really motivated. I think it was like 2012 um, to seek out adapting through foster care. But we were also, we only had one child and we were really apprehensive, just going to drug our feet a lot with the process. Um, So that, that phase of our life probably took about a year and a half. During that time, we had our second child, a daughter. So we had two kids now, ages three and like brand new, like just like three months, maybe. 
So we switched foster agencies after we finished our like home study and just sat and didn't really get matched for a while, mainly because we wanted to keep whichever foster children came into our house. Uh, we wanted them to be free for adoption, so not like not having any parental rights involved. Um, and we also wanted the child to be under three years old. So that's pretty hard to find because most children who are in foster care that are that young have, if they're not reunited with their birth family, they are bonded to their first foster home. So that kind of is why that complication is there. So anyways, we um, we felt God telling us to widen our search a little bit from one child to being open to a sibling group of two. And we were really hesitant, but we did it anyways, because we felt pretty clearly from God, that's what he wanted us to do. And about a week from that time, another mutual friend of ours had told us that there were a couple of boys uh, with a foster family they knew that were under the age of three that were likely going to be going towards adoption, but were still in foster care with parental rights intact. So we decided to switch agencies to the one that was working with these children because they don't tend to work together well, the different agencies. Um, and that didn't take a lot of work, but we were obviously pretty nervous. Uh, we went over because we knew the foster family, the children were with, we went over and had some play dates just so we could kind of see the kids. And, you know, we were first timers, so we had a lot of apprehension that wasn't really even like grounded in anything. We were just nervous. <laughs> um, I'm sure people can relate to that. But um, we ended up deciding to have them come stay a couple weekends, um, every other weekend, so the children would get to know us better because they were so young and they'd already been in care for a year. Um, they were pretty bonded to their foster family, which is understandable. And then the boys moved in with us at almost three and almost two years old um, in the fall of 2014. We went from two kids to four kids, and we just kind of jumped into it. Jordan and I like to just kind of like see what we can do, and if we feel like we can't do it, then we will back up a little bit. But we just really um, just tried to get them out as often as we could and just kind of embraced it. About a month into um, fostering, we found out that we were pregnant, so we were excited and <laughs> scared but we also found out like a week later that our foster boy's birth mother was pregnant as well let's just take <laughs> let's just take a moment here to like recap okay so yeah. we we've got two biological kids then we have yeah. two foster kids then you find out you're uh -huh. pregnant so we're we're talking yeah. about a potential now of five children and then right. you find out that the foster kids birth mom is expecting. Yes. So like, let's like listeners, let's just let this sink in here for a minute. Okay. Continue, Wendy. It was fast and furious. <laughs> so this season of life is like just the straight faith season because there were a lot of like assumed complications, but it, I mean, something that you kind of learn as you go in foster care is that nothing is um, set in stone. So we didn't know what the pregnancy of the birth mom was going to cause in our life. She was pretty unhealthy. And so, you know, there was a lot of prayer in our family just going for the safety of the baby's growth and the conditions that the child would live in while she was pregnant. And we were told kind of upfront, they're never going to place this baby in this home if they choose to take the baby because your house is so small and you're, you've got so many children. And so we kind of didn't really think about it at all. But obviously, there's no guarantees, like I said. So when she it was about a month out from being due, which is when she normally had her babies, they had said if CPS chooses to do this, since it's, a, it's an outside agency, they just don't know. The uh, contracting agencies don't. They said, if CPS chooses to do this, are you willing? And I said, well, I'm pretty sure you said the judge wouldn't 
allow it. But if all of the paperwork works out, we're going to pray about it because the answer is no, but ask us again in a week when God's talked to us. Yeah. <laughs> I because, love it. Um, we just don't know. God just tells us what to do sometimes like he did before. So mm-hmm. uh, we both kind of just knew God was saying like, okay, if these boys um, have the chance to know this sibling, like that's what we would want. We would want to look back and say, whatever happened, we made it possible for God to do his work through us the way that he wants to. So we'll just leave it at that. And of course they said, yeah. the judge is fine with it. So <laughs> we, had, we had a three bedroom house. We had bunk beds and a trundle bed in one room. And we had um, two cribs in another room and a crib in our room. So it was crazy town. Uh, we also obviously had to buy a new house during this year and a new vehicle because we like we just outgrew everything so fast. But God really provided for us in that season. And I wanted to reference something that someone um, mentioned to me about knowing kind of what you need to even begin the foster process. And the biggest thing for Jordan and I was a solid network of people that knew us and cared about us Mm -hmm. because that season of life was the hardest one I'd gone through. And my um, best friends in the area, they were like my children's second mothers. I mean, Mm. we had one child who we were loving and caring on who had three different types of therapy a week, which is so outside of our normal family rhythm. But I knew that my friends loved and cared for my kids. And that even though like, especially with two newborns, it was, it was very hard to have to have them on the go all the time. And knowing that there were people around that I loved and trusted enabled me to focus on the task at hand, which was to meet the needs of my child who had dealt with neglect in his life. Yeah. So that's kind of like what happened to us. <laughs> but um, life now is a lot different than it was in 2015 when we were going through all these changes and just kind of letting God lead moment by moment. It was never ahead of time, even down to some of the, the court dates. Uh, I, looking back, I feel like it was obvious that they were going to end up with us because of the conditions of things in the case. But in the moment, it really felt scary. And so mm-hmm. I can relate to a lot of people who have a lot of caution going into foster care thinking, oh, I don't know if they're going to be taken away from me and I don't know this. And I think the thing to always remember, which I've learned on the other end of this, having the security and knowing that my children are with me permanently, I can see now that my goal and my focus, if I'm really loving the children well, is how do I minister to their hearts um, to, to support them in their love and wanting to belong in their birth family? And how do I support and love their birth family well? Because this is another loss that they're going through. Right, yeah. You know, my children's birth parents, I, I learned a lot about them in this process. And they, they have had hard lives that I cannot relate to. Not a single, uh, like, occurrence that they grew up with or lived through as adults. I cannot relate to it. And even though they love their children with all their heart, there's no way they can provide for them. And I mean, when I have bad days, I feel bad about myself. I cannot imagine going through the losses they've gone through. No. Um, and so I feel like when you go into foster care, you have to be willing to just kind of put your your expectations for your own feelings to be the priority down. Mm. You know, you have to focus on what is God wanting to do through me because it's not going to be something that makes you feel good. I didn't feel like myself as a mother when we were going through fostering because Laura, I mean, our early days, you remember when we were new mommies and we were like the professionals and like (laughs) my children were on a sleep schedule and eat schedule. My sister used to joke that my children dirtied their diapers on schedule. Um, you know nice. I mean? like, oh yeah, like, here I am like fostering a newborn baby mm. and I cannot sleep train this child when he's going to a visit, you know, every day for the first two months. That's really like a practically hard thing, mm-hmm. you know, but I think when you're looking at fostering, you have to examine your own heart. Why am I doing this? Because 
it's not easy to pick up what someone else has dropped. Yeah. It's not easy to live through the brokenness of other people's sinful choices. And if you can't walk into that humbly, it can be very dissatisfying because you cannot solve everything with your good intentions Mm -hmm. and you cannot make a child well with just feeding them every day and giving them a cozy room and the things that you think their heart desires because their heart desires for wholeness, which outside of Jesus, we cannot do. And so if you look at fostering as something that is bringing the gospel to the world and showing love outside of expectations, then you can really be satisfied in your work. I actually have a verse that is one of my personal like motivations. It's Colossians 1.13. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. And it would be very easy to look at it as the birth family where the abuse or neglect is happening being the kingdom of darkness. And in my home, where Jesus is spoken about every day, being the light. But it's not that way. It's not. What it is, is bringing them out of a lost and loveless lifestyle, which is what a child receives when they get neglected, mm-hmm. neglected or abused is they're not getting love. And it's showing them who Jesus is. So whether they stay in your home or whether they leave or whether they are in foster home after foster home, which is outside of our control, but they carry that kingdom of Jesus in their hearts because mm. it's not our job to hold and control these children. We can't. Mm. And that can be the most heartbreaking part is that you cannot protect children, but you can give them Jesus who can go with them to wherever they are. And if I'm mm. honest with myself, wherever I've been in life, Jesus is the only one that has grounded and supported me. Yeah. That is so powerful. And I think it's such a beautiful way to look at it because you're right. Like there is absolutely no control. I mean, and let's be honest, there's actually no control even with our biological children. There is a perceived control because it's like we share this DNA. They've always been in my home. There's an expectation and hope that they will always be in your home. Um, yeah, excellent prenatal care, excellent diet, no toxins in the house, right. you know what I mean? Like whatever your priorities are, yep. you feel like, you know, you have an expected outcome. Right. It's like, I can, I can just keep my kids in this bubble room and it'll be fine. I, I think too, especially when you're talking about foster care and the, and the differences between foster care and adoption, some of you listening may know this and some of you might not. I was an adoption counselor for a while, as I like to say in my previous life. And so I wrote home studies and I like I interviewed um adoptive potential adoptive families and and so I'm I'm very well acquainted with the adoption process. Jason and I were actually in the adoption process. We were convinced we were gonna adopt for five years and that's another story for another day. Um but that to say, you know, I, I think that it's almost like everyone just needs to understand that with foster care, the goal is always reunification with the birth family. And so that I, I feel like, and of course, Wendy, I want to know your opinion on this, but I feel like it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily a bad thing or wrong to enter into foster care. If you have the heart to adopt, but it's more just like being painfully aware and like living with like, like just hands wide open to what the Lord wants to do in the situation versus going in with this expectation that somehow you're going to come out on the other side with a kid to quote unquote call your own, you know? Absolutely. I feel like if, if you, um, if you are wanting to do what, um, you know, what James one twenty seven says and visit the orphan, um, in their affliction, if that's your goal, then you 
are able to open your hands and allow God to do what you want. If your goal in adoption is to be a consumer and see the fruit of your sacrifice, mm. then yeah. You have to take that to God because yeah. the bottom line is these are, like this is not a commodity or a lifestyle. It's a child and an eternal soul. And I know that even through some of the heartbreaks of my childhood, if I'd been separated from my parents, even with the wrongdoing, I know my heart would be for unification. Mm-hmm. And if you want to come alongside a child and have their trust and their love, then you need to support the truest thing because the worst thing that can be done to a child is to ever have their own parents, you know, not supported well. I mean, if you think about where your loyalties lie, it's the people you care about, the people in your family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that you're right about that, that the goal is reunification. And I know that that can turn a lot of people off, but really that's orphan, um, as it stands anyways. And I would just, I want to add something that's kind of like a small rabbit trail here, um, because it's something that Jordan and I have learned through the process. When you go through a lot of the early stages in the paperwork, they'll ask you about your preferences. And um, it can be tempting to try to go after, you know, the child with the biggest herd. And, you know, you just, when you when you have that pull on your heart from the Lord to help, it feels like you would, you would just do anything, you know. Um, but I think it's good to know your circumstances well and to know kind of ahead of time what some of the consequences of your choices will be. Yes. So uh, we received advice early on to make sure uh, never to bring a child who is known to have had sexual abuse and their past into a home with young children. Mm-hmm. And then I would also say when they are asking questions about adopting cross-racially, if you are feeling called to do that, then you need to do the work of anti-racism in your heart before you bring a child of a different race into your home, yes. because it's not, it's not a favor. And it's not a badge to wear to say, yes, I'm able to do this. Because I feel like for me, when I was asked that question, I felt like, well, of course, I'm not a racist person. I would never say, no, I'm not open to this. But really, like every choice that we make in foster care is an accepting of a responsibility. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to foster older children, you need to do the work of finding out what teenagers are into. If you are going to adopt, I mean, foster a child of a different religion, do some research. Mm -hmm. If you're going to open up your home to immigrant or refugees, learn some languages, like whatever you're going to do, understand that it, it comes with a responsibility. Yeah. And this is why I love you. Oh my gosh. Yes. I just think that so often we can almost let our bleeding hearts kind of get away from us and totally not really think about the practical and the logical. And like, I feel like there's this duality of what can I handle? What is my actual life situation? But then what is God calling me to and what could God do here? And that's where wisdom comes in. That's where leaning on the Holy spirit. That's where being in his word, that's where getting godly counsel comes like all of it. You know, it's, it's not, I'm going to skip church for a year, never listen to worship music, rarely read my Bible and then jump in and make a decision. No, like if you are a believer and if you are going into this, being your most surrendered self is, it's, it's not just going to benefit you. I mean, and I think that's what we initially think about when we think mm-hmm. about going into the, a process like this, but like, yeah. let's think about these children, you know, yeah. like, I just think that all of that ties together that for the believer, it's really leaning on the Holy spirit. And then as yeah. I always like to say, like God gave us a brain, right? We have a mind yeah, and we can think and we can look at our situation and we can look at me and like, how old, if you have kids in your home right now, like how old are my children? How long could this process be? What do I feel like 
I could handle. And then another thing I would say too is um, because I know a lot of you listening and some of you would ask questions and I've gotten a lot of questions about adoption and the adoption process and all of that. I think one of the biggest things is making sure that both parents are completely on board because here's what I've seen. I've seen so many times where women specifically, they get their heart set on adoption or on foster care and it's like, come hell or high water, they're going to do it. Meanwhile, yeah. the, the husband's over there and he's like, eh, I don't really know. You know what? That doesn't fly because you're talking about the life of a kid. And yeah. th that, that just doesn't end well. Can God do a miracle in someone's heart? 100%. But we don't yeah, know. But he has order for that. Yeah, <laughs> like, he does. You want a miracle in your husband's heart, get on your knees and pray. Don't go. To, you know, don't condescend. You can't expect that your husband's going to process this the same way you are. We have no. different concerns. Yep. Yeah. You know, and Jordan and I went through that too. You know, we definitely did. But I think that when your husband is feeling led by God, you're going to appreciate his commitment to the process a lot more than if he did it for you or to just comply because mm -hmm. there are hard moments. You know, if I didn't have Jordan ready to jump in when I have to take a break, I don't, we would not have done this. We would not have made it. No, it doesn't end well when that happens. And I, I love what you said about like, just the idea of like your husband doing it for you. Like if you really think mm -hmm. about the furthest extent and the end of that, it's, it's mm -hmm. not good. It's not pretty. And it, it probably looks like a huge disruption in your family, which of course we wouldn't want for anyone. So kind of switching topics a little bit, you know, you and I have kind of been do, doing the deep dive into, uh, okay, what, what does it take to do foster care, do adoption? And, you know, as I like to say, also filling out every paper known to mankind, um, we've, yeah. we've both done that. Yeah. But for a lot of people listening, you know, they feel a tug on their heart. They're like, man, I feel like I should do something. So I kind of have a twofold question for you. One is... okay. What would you say to people who are like, I feel like I want to do something, but I'm not really sure. Like, so I guess, you know, people might be asking, how do I know if foster care or adoption is right for me? So that's kind of question number one. Question number two is, which okay. goes into it, like, what do you actually do? Like, what's the first step? Absolutely. I'm going to answer your second question first mm -hmm. uh, because it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think... Um, if you are curious, I think the first thing to do is look up foster agencies in your county. You know, there's like Bethany Christian is all over the country. There's lots of different like religious based adoption agencies and find out when their next orientation is. They have them routinely, probably mm -hmm. like once a month or once every other month and just go sit and listen. There won't be like commitment. They'll ask you if you're interested in what you're kind of thinking and they can give you some resources to read or they can start the process. Honestly, Jordan and I sat in the process for two years because of our own apprehension. There's never going to be a time when you lose control of what is going on in your life. So you mm -hmm. don't have to be scared about that. I know a lot of people um, are concerned about the cost of adapting. And um, with adapting through foster care, that can sometimes be the appeal because there's not a cost. A lot of times, even the court costs are subsidized by the state. So mm -hmm. you can find that kind of information out if you just check out the agencies in your um, county. In Michigan, there's also a website called uh, mare.org. It's M-A-R-E. It's the, Mid the Michigan Adoption Resource Exchange. And there will be, um, you know, long lists of waiting children. And when your home study is done, that is an area where you can look for a match. So that's the practical way. Do you feel like that's a complete 
Yeah, kind of it's perfect. Yep. Look okay. up look up agencies in your county and head to an orientation. You will not have to sign on the dotted line in your blood. So just that's okay. that's number one. Yep. And the first question, remind me again, because I was Yeah, so like if you feel like you want to do something yeah. and you're not really sure, how yeah. do you know if pursuing foster care and or adoption, and I know <laughs> obviously they're different, but how do you know yeah. if that's for you? Okay, so I think if you're a Christian, then orphan care is part of our call. Yes. So what that looks like will depend on where you are in your relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I feel like everyone should be. Uh, some people find it, it hard to apply that directly to bringing a child into the home, and that's totally cool. There's lots of different ways to help. Okay. Obviously, teenagers especially could use mentoring. A lot of times, um, teenagers find their way into group homes if they've been in care for a long time. It's hard to fit to a family really well, and so someone that belongs just to them is a valuable resource. Another thing that's going on in Michigan that I always recommend to people who are considering this is a, I guess it's kind of a ministry called Safe Families, and mm -hmm. it's affiliated through the church before children are removed from their homes from the state. Um, it's a way to volunteer as a safe place for a child to spend um, a night, a weekend, or up to a few weeks if the parents are in a crisis and need to uh, find housing or find a new job or if they are having a medical emergency and they don't have natural supports to watch over their children. So it's a really great way to just get your feet wet um, to find out, is this something we can even do? Um, it's a way to be engaged in this work without becoming fully um like invaded by the state's regulations, which are really not that bad. I'm just using that language to be dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's there's still a sign up process with that and background checks. Obviously, we want to keep our kids safe. Wendy, real quick too, um, with safe families, I know for sure it's in Illinois as well because I remember my in-laws okay, saying great. something about that. So my guess is if it's in Michigan and Illinois, there's probably other states. So Google yeah, safe families, see if that's something that might be for you. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of it. The the other thing I would say is look for, you know, books and podcasts about adopting and fostering. There are people that have done a lot more than me, that know a lot more than me, and uh, just start seeking it out and obviously pray about it. God is going to bring about in you whatever he has started. Mm -hmm. um, he finishes his work. He doesn't leave it undone for the people who are being called. So seek it out and pray. And if you're having conflicts in your marriage about it, seek your seek out your own heart and intentions before you start to go to battle over your spouses yeah. um, because Such a good there word. is just there is just so much to this in a mother's heart that can be misguided and you I love how you just you just say it like so nonchalantly and just like you need to seek out what's going on in your own heart before you start battling out in your spouse like oh okay well we just had a sermon so bye everyone you're good go home now listen I'm only saying this because I've seen the things that come out of my heart that I didn't know were there like this is about caring for orphans, but it's also about refining your own heart. Yeah. Like, I know that we all go through this in parenting, but it is a real deal when you are bonding with someone and teaching them to, like, not pee on everything. So, like, <laughs> God will work out the things in your heart, but you want to make sure that you know <laughs> the condition that you're dealing with before you go into it, for sure. Oh, you do. And so... And then probably one more question that I have for you, and obviously there's so many Absolutely. topics about... I mean, we could, we could talk for three hours, like I know beyond a shadow mm -hmm. of a doubt, but for the sake yeah. of the episode, tell us a little bit about what it looks like. Um, you know, I think a lot of people understand about adoption that especially with domestic adoption, mm -hmm. you know, most adoptions are going to be open adoption kind of unless yeah. uh, the situation or the birth mom doesn't really want that, but that is definitely where mm -hmm. things are in adoption. But what about foster care? Like, what does it look like both Absolutely. 
fostering, but then if you are able to adopt the child, what is the relationship with the birth parents typically look like? I think that's one of the biggest concerns that people have going into it. Absolutely. Open adoptions and open fostering are always contingent on the safety of the parents involved. Yeah. Um, and the children, obviously, is the recipient of that safety. So in fostering, I'll just speak to our situation. We we were dealing with some mental health issues. And sometimes even when um, there's really good intentions, some of that cannot be changed. Most yeah. of it cannot be changed overnight. Right. So I think that most of the agencies are well-versed in keeping um, like home locations um, private and things of that nature. But in our experience... There was not really any way to, I mean, we had to sell our house the year we were fostering. Our, our information was public. So there's a certain level, I would say, of risk. But I think if you're trusting God in the process, that he will settle those fears and anxieties. Yeah. But I'm going to say also that we were never made to meet with foster parents um, in unsafe circumstances. We were never asked to do anything outside of our comfort zone. And when mm -hmm. we drew boundaries, the agencies respected it. In adopting, the rules, when you become a legal parent, the rules are yours to make. And I would hope that they would be, you know, done with with a lot of prayer because um, I think there's benefits to birth parent relationships, but there's also risks. And with each case, it'll be sensitive. I think if um, a birth parent is honoring your boundaries, that's a great uh, that's a great situation and a great resource. I've heard of many situations, especially where, uh, and I, I just want, I don't want to go on off a big tangent on this, but you'll find that. There are some children that are going to be available for adoption that probably shouldn't have been removed from their parents. Mm. And it's because it's a it's a human agency, and you'll see some of that. But there will be some scenarios where having the birth family involved will be a great support for your family. So I think just look at it prayerfully. You're not going to be asked to do something unsafe. The goal is safety for the children. And for a lot of them, that means being separate from their birth parents. And the agencies will support you in that. So, so that's, I think, that control issue. I think it's good to just know that, that you make those decisions about your home and your family. And we, we have chosen to do that. So I can, I can speak to that being effective. We live in a small community up here and we um, fostered children who are pretty local to where we live. And it, the thoughts and the anxieties cross my mind from time to time, but we finalized three years ago and I've never had a run in. And the agency, even though that like we don't work with them from day to day, they'll let us know if they've seen them in the area. I mean, it's just, there's so many people supporting these children that I think as long as you voice your concerns and you're assertive, that you're going to be supported in the decisions that you make for your own family culture. Mm. Oh, that's, that's really helpful. I mean, so it's, it's, it's kind of hard. And I know for people who are considering going into it, because at the end of the day, so many of the answers are, well, it depends on the situation. And I know it. it's, it's unnerving, but at the same time, like once you really get into the process, you will see more and more with different kids, different scenarios, especially when you guys, if, if this is something you want to pursue, you know, you go through those orientations, you get your home study written, all of that, you become, you, you start to see like the different scenarios and which, oh, okay, in this situation for this kid, it would make sense to see the parent and, oh, okay, yeah. in this situation, it absolutely makes no sense. Like you were saying, it's, it's for the safety of the children. Um, absolutely. So, yeah. So I think it's just good going into it, going into the process, knowing that. And then I think yeah. too, like, like you said, just, you know, looking up resources, looking at, you know, blogs and podcasts and 
some people, you know, they focus their Instagram primarily on the topic of foster care or adoption and are transparent with it. And what I think is beautiful about seeing that is you can really observe and listen to other people's stories. And so you can get a better idea of possible outcomes. But I think that it's also kind of leaving it that that all of the stories are unique and individual and they are possible Uh outcomes it it doesn't mean that what happened to someone else is going to be your situation and so absolutely I feel like it just really goes back to if this is something that interests you at all and again you and your spouse are on board just check it out take that next step like it it doesn't have to look like and this is where I see people just in life in general they get really overwhelmed by the big picture then they throw their hands up in the air and they say it's too much I can't do it so it, it's not saying you're going to have a kid in your home tomorrow that's going to be yours right. through adoption. It's saying just take the first little baby step, which for you could look like yeah. praying. Hopefully praying is first. Hopefully talking to your spouse is second. And then maybe doing a Google search is the third one, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, in our experience, we saw our children out. And a lot of people, I think they're wondering, you know, if I'm fostering, do I have a choice who comes into my house? All of those fears, I feel like you just need to ask questions to the professionals mm-hmm. um, when you go to an orientation because they have heard them all before. Yeah. And so, you know, you're not going to be unsafe asking these questions. No. So, yeah, go through the process. Get praying. You know, Jordan and I stayed in the waiting period for probably longer than we needed to, but I hope that some of you can relate to that. It's not the end of the world if you you know, start it and kind of stall out, but don't get discouraged. You know, God is going to give you everything you need to do the job, even if it feels like too much. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think that's an awesome place to end. And Wendy, I just, I really appreciate your perspective on this. You know, the reason why I wanted you to come on and talk about foster care and adoption is because you have just done such a beautiful job of educating yourself and humbling yourself that I feel like you definitely have the posture of that you always want to be a student and that you always have more to learn. And so I just really have a lot of respect for that, that even though um, you have been in this life situation for a while now and you've walked through it, like you're still learning. So I think that's just a really, um, really awesome place to be. So thank you for sharing your experience and your wisdom with us. Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Fruitful Life podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends and showing it some love on social media. For a newbie show like mine, those reviews are everything. Thank you so much for tuning in. To stay in touch with all things Fruitful Life, you can check out lifeasalowen.com or follow me on Instagram, lowen.